Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Revis. Hey, pals. Hope you're well and healthy. I'm not back to my standard level of feeling bad, but I've never had a quick flu. You know what, though? It is nice to smash my face on a pillow and think, well, gotta get back to dreams, as if it was work. Instead of putting on my fedora before heading to the office, I roll down a beanie over my eyes, because I'm a lady in the streets and a sleepy homeboy in the sheets. Today's guest is the hysterical Jordan Morris. He's a comedy writer who's written goofs and lols for Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, and Disney+. Plus. He co-hosts the way-popular podcast Jordan Jesse Go and co-wrote a sci-fi comedy graphic novel called Bubble coming out July 13th. You can pre-order it now wherever you get books. Jordan is also writing an animated feature for Sony Animation based on the original Bubble podcast. I actually can't remember how we first met, but I do remember having first learned about Juggalos from a bit he did in a show. For that I am forever grateful, my ninja. Whoop whoop to you and yours. Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Six Flags Magic Mountain is currently charging $79.99 per car for their, and I quote, drive-through cruise in the park show. Turns out the fun does stop. Jordan has worked with other comedy writers as a team, collaborating, rewriting, exchanging notes, punching up, and keeping the index card industry afloat. We're hardly exaggerating when we talk about commercial auditions. I've seen waiting rooms with Vikings, elves, and large fellows in swim trunks meant for a laugh. Take it from me, you haven't experienced the glamour of showbiz until you've worn zombie makeup and a bloody shirt looking for parking in Beverly Hills. I knew a lot of kids who weren't allowed to enjoy certain forms of entertainment because of their Christian families. Being able to watch R-rated movies made me feel cool. I may have dandruff and bifocals, but have you seen titties? <laughs> the closest I got to restriction was when I saw Peanuts in a TV guide listing and asked my mom if we could watch it. She replied, Penis? No. After our call, I had an ad for the Popeye's chicken sandwich come up on my Instagram feed. Great listening skills algorithm, but you missed the mark with me. Stick with dandruff shampoo. Hello, hello. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? Good, how are you? How was your President's Day? It's been wild. I did one of the three pandemic activities. I've had my hike. I'll be tending to my sourdough and doing my podcast later. <laughs> You're aware of the three activities, right? Oh, the three sacred <laughs> activities three, yes. The fake fun, they like to call them. <laughs> the things that are kind of fun-ish and remind you of fun, but ultimately uh, leave you more bummed than you were before. <laughs> yeah, fun adjacent, like going to Six Flags now and driving through the roller coasters. <laughs> right. You can remember what it might feel like to be on a roller coaster and hope that one day you will be on a roller coaster again. <laughs> the closest I get to the hiking activity is watching other people's workouts, which exhausts me. So I am getting tired from activity. It's just not very much. 
So you're watching them on YouTube or something? Oh, no, just all of you fit folks posting your home workout. Right. I love that you've lumped me in with the fit folks. That's very kind of you. Oh, a recent picture of you, and I felt that uh, you're looking tight. Thanks. I don't know Thanks. if that's a compliment. <laughs> tight. <laughs> no, no. I mean, listen, I've had loose periods in my life, times I've been looser than others. No, that's nice of you to say. I think right before the pandemic, my doctor suggested that I lose a little bit of weight. And uh, yeah, so I definitely changed a lot of stuff. And, you know, I know a lot of people are saying fuck it to their diets and just like doing stuff that feels good. And I think that is fucking awesome and more power to them. In my life, I've rarely paid attention to what I eat and how much exercise I get and, Mm. you know, how much I drink. And, yeah, it's been kind of interesting to, like, keep track of that. Good. I'm glad you feel good about it. I'm wondering if your doctor made that as a blanket statement for everybody because they knew the pandemic was coming. But, you know, (laughs) if that's the case, good. I mean, it's good for us to keep on top of things. Yeah. The loose periods I've had are going to be handled by the Diva Cup I purchased. But, yeah, I think it's hard to stay motivated. Yeah. It's just like a little endorphin boost. It works. It totally works. And it's at a time when those endorphin boosts are kind of few and far between. Well, I guess you can get it from running. So it's been nice to get those little blips of brain chemicals. Good. Love a blip. To hold you over until the roller coaster comes back. Yes. And this has kind of been interesting too. Like I like a drink historically in my life. I like slash love to drink. Mm -hmm. Perhaps even there have been periods where I've liked them too much. Can you love too much? Yes, actually. It's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I was in an emotionally abusive relationship with whiskey for a while. Oh, okay. You know, we were both just going through some weird stuff and got a little toxic. <laughs> but yeah, something I kind of discovered about myself during all this is I do not like to drink alone. So oh. I, that's a good revelation. I've kind of cut out drinking from my life. You know, an occasional glass of wine or if people are doing a Zoom happy hour, I'll try and Mm -hmm. join them. But but yeah, I kind of just don't do it anymore. Wow. And that's kind of helps with weight loss and mood and stuff like that. Oh, sure. The sugar and carbs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Drinking alone, you kind of don't know it's sad until everybody's gone. Right. (laughs) It'd be like if Cheers was just one guy drinking. The one person show that Cheers is based on is a real bummer. (laughs) George went with a 40. It's not musty. TV. Sure ain't. Um, I guess I don't know this about you. Do you like a drink? Have you been liking a drink recently? Mm -hmm. What's your relationship to that stuff? Well, I'm a wine snob who got rusty. I stopped being really informed about wine, and now it's just, uh, give me the red one. (laughs) At the height of your wine snobbery, were you detecting notes? Were you swirling and spitting? Jordan, I was chewing. (laughs) Wow. I was masticating that liquid of the gods. Okay. (laughs) You were like, oh, you still sip your wine? That's cute. Mm -hmm. I chew, but that's just me. You'll learn to chew once your palate gets more sophisticated. In France, they chew the wine. (laughs) Yes, it's like cud. If you don't spit it out in a lavender field, you're not doing right. (laughs) To be as cow-like as possible. (laughs) But yeah, I never had that period. I've always kind of just been a give-me-the-red-one type. Even to the point where I started to kind of like a chilled red wine in the fridge with some ice cubes, which I know is yes. just like dunking everything in ranch dressing, basically. That is the <laughs> drinking equivalent. But, ooh, I loved it. I do that to mask the flavor of bad wine. Like, well, it's ice. Right. <laughs> I'm not languishing in the aromas. Yeah, it's ice cold. It is getting me buzzed. What more do you want? <laughs> what, you want notes? You want mouthfeel? Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
I used to not drink when I would go to parties and I didn't like the wine. Do you foresee a future where you're like, okay, I'm going to start working out that palate. I'm going to start swirling. I'm going to do pairings. Is that a goal you have for the post-vaccine world? <laughs> yeah, it's going to look like a reaching nirvana chart. Right. I reach that <laughs> level. I'll just twirl some hula hoops on my wrists at the same time to work my way up while I'm drinking. Sounds like that's going to be great for you. I'm really excited. <laughs> Really just excited for you in this new phase where you're drinking <laughs> wine and doing burlesque stunts. Look, I take complex to another level. This wine is complex, all right? <laughs> Backflip. Oh, you don't drink wine while you're also doing close-up magic? <laughs> you haven't lived, my friend. I'm going to do all the shit from in and of itself while I'm drinking wine and talking about its spookiness. <laughs> yep. Did you watch In and of Itself? No. No, it is like a magic show with feels that is on Hulu. Ooh. I forget the name of the fellow who does it, but it is a magic show that'll make you cry at the end, but not because you feel bad for the magician, but because, you know, humanity is so beautiful or whatever. Oh, or because it's not your birthday. Right. <laughs> Anyway, I recommend it. Nice. It's one of those the less said the better recommendations, which I know are fucking yeah. boring and hard to talk about. The conversation just ends where someone's like, yeah. just watch this. Trust me. Okay, well, we have to change topics now because you won't tell me anything. Just point to the play button. Push this. No, yeah. It's got one of those titles that gives nothing away. Kind of like a early 2000s Woody Allen movie. Yep. <laughs> it could be anything. Right. And maybe even the title is It Could Be Anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was Oscar nominated. It could be anything, yeah. <laughs> I know. It did feel like for a while there were some Woody Allen movies and some rom-coms where they just, like, picked a phrase and, like, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> a bird in the hand. And then there's no birds in the movie. Nope. That's my mommy. Yeah. <laughs> the AI got a writing credit. For, uh, <laughs> right. Randomly choosing words. Story by <laughs> Magnetic Poetry. <laughs> On the fridge. <laughs> the first movie ever written by stoners at a college party who <laughs> arranged the fridge words. Yeah. I was just remembering those the other day. Those were so ubiquitous at my college. Yeah. Every fridge had the magnetic poetry. They really did. Have you ever pissed somebody off by ruining their poem? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I've always been kind of embarrassed to touch the magnetic poetry for those reasons. I guess I approached it as a group activity when somebody invites you to their home. Right. But I remember feeling like I just burned somebody's diary. <laughs> I've been working on this for three years. Yes. <laughs> Look, I didn't back it up on CD-ROM. Right. I have everything on the fridge in my magnet tiles. I know. How dare you say roses are red, violets are farts. <laughs> Not what I was going for. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a dirty one that had a couple saucy words. Right. Oh, yeah. Keep off the ass. <laughs> Did you go to like a standard for your college and then if you did what were the ubiquitous college things was it you know Pink Floyd posters was it the movie Donnie Darko what was the shit give me two minutes to just laugh at the thought of me having a college experience I just took community college classes to stay on my dad's insurance wow <laughs> I mean I still did plays I took classes we thought the students who were three years older were so old. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, what's it like on the other side? <laughs> <laughs> you need me to talk louder, Grandpa? <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, you see this Bond Dutch hat? Yeah, it doesn't have to do with Dutch people, you gramp. But <laughs> it's a brand. <laughs> it's a brand. Ashton Kutcher wears them on punk. 
And it's here to stay. <laughs> this will never become an embarrassing <laughs> signifier of bad fashion. Yeah, talk to the Livestrong wrist bracelet. <laughs> right. <laughs> From hero Lance Armstrong, who will never be discredited. <laughs> yeah. Wow, those both went down <laughs> with a bang. Yeah, right? <laughs> the trucker hop became a joke around the time that the Lance Armstrong Livestrong bracelet was no longer acceptable. Yes. If there was a global pandemic, people would have assembled the front panel of a trucker hat with leftover Livestrong bracelets and made homemade masks. Oh, yeah. Would have been real cool. Yeah, that would have been nice. So well. If only, yes. It's kind of an interesting thought exercise to think about if this had all happened a couple years earlier or a couple years later, how it would be different. Yeah, but it'll take a while for the thoughts to be funny again. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> How's your pandemic treating you? Are you Zooming? Are you hanging from afar? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm certainly doing business Zooming. Mm -hmm. which sucks. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think one of the takeaways from this is that like, hey, maybe when this is all done, we'll put people work from home more, which is good. Right. And I support it. But definitely like, I am seeing the value in a certain amount of face-to-faceness for creative mm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to quantify. I know this is annoying to describe something as just a vibe, but it is kind of just a vibe. <laughs> the writer's room is a thing because it works, you know. It helps generate yeah. ideas. You can make eye contact and feed off each other's energy. Sure. You know, so obviously I am anxious to be in a world where we're better about work-life balance stuff. But also I definitely... For creative work, at least, I think a certain amount of in-person stuff is good. And I think that the projects I'm doing, you know, I just wish I could get together with the people more often sure. than I do. It would be easier to figure stuff out if there was a certain amount of just, you know, like drinking coffee in a fucking... Yeah, vibing, you know, drinking LaCroix in an office with a whiteboard. <laughs> you know, there's something to that. Yeah, deriving an aesthetic, man. Yeah. This is us. LaCroix <laughs> and vibing. <laughs> right. Uh, currently, I imagine you're working on Bubble. Yeah, I've been working on a couple things. I'm working on the movie adaptation of Bubble and then a couple of comic book projects and a couple of, like, development things. Yeah, and it's all going pretty well considering. And I'm lucky to have, I definitely acknowledge that mm. the entire economy has gone to shit, but show business has gone to shit in its own special little way. Yes. So I'm lucky to have stuff to work on, for sure. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Fun. And you're all wrapped with Earth to Ned? Yeah, so Earth to Ned is a weird situation. We finished working on Earth to Ned at the end of 2019, but just because streaming TV <laughs> is streaming TV... It's kind of been dripped out gradually. So, you know, even though there have been some new Earth and Ed episodes debuting relatively recently, we have not worked on it in a long time. New is a flexible word when you're working on TV production. Like, new to you. Yeah. The stuff you're watching mm -hmm. on streaming TV could have been in the can for yeah. you know, a year or more. Right. When there is that slow drip of episodes, I think people may be assume you're working more than you are. Yeah. But I will say this, I am just stoked as hell about how those turned out. They turned out so yeah. funny. I really like it. It, <laughs> it was just a blast to work on. In a way that I have not with something that I've worked on, I turned that on for pleasure. Aww. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate to this. It's sometimes hard to watch something you've worked on because you're too close to it and you 
just critique the oh. shit out of it. Oh, yeah. You find a million things you wanted to do differently, but I just like that show so much and just like watching it, you know, when I feel a little bit bummed has been great. Yeah. It just cheers me up, makes me feel good. And it was a very special thing to be a part of. Oh, well, it must be a dream come true for nerds like us to work with a puppet in a show, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was a Jim Henson kid, and as I assume you were too. Yeah, I don't know what made me jump to that conclusion that we're Wild Muppet nerd <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just like getting to see this stuff up close and to play with that sense of humor it's just like pure fun Aww. you know obviously there's content stuff because you know they can't swear or <laughs> you know <laughs> do heroin <laughs> I pitched it. Lord knows I pitched it. <laughs> so, you know, once you kind of understand who the audience is, it's just like, have fun, be silly, make each other laugh. And again, that was like the last writing room I was in. Yeah. Collaboration for it was really integral, I think. And not just Ooh. with the writers, but with the performers. Nice. So, yeah, were we to do more Earth and Ed, it would just be a thrill. Uh, it would be nice if there could be a certain impersonal element to it. Yeah. We should all strive for puppet synergy. That is the right. work motivation I want. Yeah. Have you ever done work in the puppet realm, or has most of your voiceover been animation? I could say something in development when I'm just talking about messing with my friends, because that counts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not so much. You know what I did, though? I auditioned for a puppet, and they wanted me to record myself on camera, which is so weird. (laughs) So I did the audition with a lot of gesticulation and waving my arms around. And then I saw a preview of the project completed, and they animated it anyway. (laughs) They must have seen all of us and said, wow, this is a darkness I've never encountered. (laughs) Voiceover actors trying to be puppets. This we must hide away. (laughs) Deep in the cellar. (laughs) They just made it a cartoon. That's wacky. In a darker part of my life, I auditioned for commercials. I had a period when oh. I was doing very actory actor Ooh, stuff. That's better um, than pitching heroin grips. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, if you can become successful in the world of commercials, that is a great gig and it pays awesome. Oh, that's but, always the dream. That's why we jump in. Yeah. Can we become the helpful Honda guy? That's what everyone wants. But commercial auditions are very uniquely embarrassing. Yeah. They're especially cattly. You just feel like a, you know, another meat sack coming through. Selling a meat sack. You're the meat sack selling a meat sack. (laughs) Right. It's the new Arby's meat sack. (laughs) Add nacho cheese or horsey sauce for an extra 50 cents. Okay, guys, don't actually eat the meat sacks. We have to use these all day. So just pretend. Again, we only have two. (laughs) The thing that I hated most with commercial auditioning is (laughs) when they would make you dress up like the character. (laughs) I understand hey, this is set at a nice restaurant, so wear a blazer. Like, I understand that. But there were some where it's like, this is at Comic-Con, so come dressed as a superhero. Or a Ren Faire one, like, come dressed in your Ren Faire garb. And it is like, you fucking asshole. You only have to go to a costume shop and rent a goddamn Green Lantern onesie. Like, there will be a costume person on this commercial, right? And it just felt like, we are bored ad execs and we just want someone to put on a little show for us because we don't look up from our phones, but if maybe somebody's wearing a Totoro outfit, maybe we'll look up for four seconds and feel entertained. So maybe I was getting a little vibe of that when you were telling your 
they made me act in person for a job voicing a puppet. It's kind of just this element of like, and we want some clowns to entertain us, please. Totally. Despite your fate, (laughs) please do a little dance for us. Yes, Jester, we'll throw you a meat sack afterwards. Um, But Jordan, we had glasses in our headshots and a collared shirt. So clearly, we told them with our image that we're wacky nerds who have a gritty mascot costume at home or, you know, full-on regalia for our Medieval Times commercial. Naturally. If you're working (laughs) after. Yeah, and when you are the nerd type, there is a special kind of indignity that comes with auditioning. It's even like in character descriptions. It'll be like, and this is them just describing the character and the (laughs) breakdown that they give you. It's Jimmy. 25, totally unfuckable. Just looks like he's covered in piss at all times. <laughs> looks like he smells bad. Yeah, exactly. You can see the stink lines coming off this fucking pig who just spends all day in the basement playing Xbox and jacking off. It's like, oh, I can't wait to be Jimmy, the sticky, unfuckable Xbox addict. You know, the place that printed my headshots, they have a stink line option for an extra 10 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Put it on your picture. Yeah, and they'll add a little pee spot in your pants to make it look like you went pee-pee. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I pee-peed. <laughs> Have you ever auditioned for a fast food commercial next to an audition for a cosmetic brand? (laughs) There was one time I auditioned for Pizza Hut and they were casting a commercial for CoverGirl or something. And you just walked in and it was clearly like, oh, are you a babe or a pile of piss? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a goblin stuffing your face with garlic knots? Or are you who Matthew McConaughey is gazing at out of the Lincoln? I want to see the crossover where Matthew gets the munchies and he needs some pizza. <laughs> yeah, McConaughey likes to get high. He's more appropriate for Pizza Hut. <laughs> I know, McConaughey should lean in and stop doing the uh, luxury sedan ads and just do the <laughs> jack-in-the-box late-night menu. <laughs> With his gravelly voice pulling up to jack-in-the-box. <laughs> I'll have a loaded yeah. In a Lincoln. You can get this menu all night, all night, all night. <laughs> It's right there. It is right there for McConaughey to take. He's leaving money on the table. The soft tacos are a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of commercial auditions. They're all virtual. And the one I did have, I had to stand smiling in the bedroom at my computer for 20 minutes because we were virtually in a waiting room. Oh, weird. Very weird. Because I was still behaving like I was in the room with a camera on me, even though, like, we're not filming the audition, but they are filming us because it's virtual. (laughs) That's so strange. We want to see what you look like when you're waiting. Yeah. This is the prank show I fear, you know. I don't want to be on a secret prank show, so I literally stood there smiling at my computer in the virtual waiting room for 20 minutes. (laughs) That is, yeah, that is a special little episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> the most boring episode. Just skip over it. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the one where the Prime Minister fucks the pig again. No, oh, it's a palate cleanser. Right. <laughs> Your commercial actor forced to stare into a webcam for 90 minutes. <laughs> if you stare long enough, you see your own soul. <laughs> All of your mistakes just parade in front of you. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I fucked that up. Pretty sure that's what happens when you die. You are in a virtual waiting room for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. And and you see all the mistakes you made in your life, like not going to a four-year college and uh, auditioning for Pizza Hut. I don't think you missed much not going to a four-year college. (laughs) I think you you probably made a good choice. (laughs) Did you go to UC Santa Cruz? Yeah, the mascot is a banana slug. And 
Yeah. That's why I remembered. I know. I think that is what it's most famous for is a dumb mascot invented by hippies in the 60s who wanted to freak out the norms. So they <laughs> picked this crazy mascot because we don't do sports, man. I mean, I really like UC Santa Cruz. Yeah. I'm glad that I went there. But yes, it definitely has a like overarching philosophy of freaking out the squares, <laughs> which as much as I support can get a little sweaty at times. You know, the mascot is an example of how that can get kind of sweaty. Mm-hmm. Was it still hippy-dippy? Yeah, drum circle, hacky sack, recumbent bike, oh. you name it. Was your dean uh, a wise owl? <laughs> yeah, the dean was a mist that <laughs> rolled out over the hills. The dean was a burning piece of sage <laughs> who would tell you what to major in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, again, I'm lucky to have gone there, but it is very fun to make fun of. Oh, sure. I've only heard good things as we laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in Orange County, which is very oh. conservative and, okay. you know, definitely the opposite of Santa Cruz politically. You know, oh. still some kind of shared culture and like surfing and wearing flip-flops everywhere. But other than that, it's, very it's different conservative so, Exactly. So I do feel lucky that I got to be immersed in a very lefty, yeah. radical kind of atmosphere, because I don't know if I would have learned about that elsewhere. Good. You're from Orange County. That reminds me of something I saw talking about how we're both Jim Henson fans. I oh, went yeah. to the Jim Henson exhibit, and yeah. there was a letter complaining about how inappropriate the show was for children. <laughs> and I went with my friend from Orange County, and she's like, yeah, that's because it's going to be from Orange County, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's very predictable. Growing up, my parents probably leaned a little more conservative, but were very reasonable and, for the most part, very mm-hmm. good parents. But I definitely remember growing up there being a vibe of, like, don't play magic cards because it's satanic. And, God, I think I was with some friends, and I thought it would be funny to buy like a horoscope book at a grocery store checkout. Yeah. And then got a big talking to about how horoscopes are fortune telling, which is a tool of the devil. And I'm like, where is this coming from? So yeah, I definitely kind of remember that, like fearing that certain kinds of pop culture were evil or propaganda or demonic or something. Yeah. All those evil heartthrob horoscopes of the stars. Right. I feel a little drop of pity for those who were upset about what we were into being too satanic because now it's so overwhelming. There's so much. Yeah. Like, good luck. Yeah, right? <laughs> we got it for a video game that said something about Satan. Like, wow, guys, you can't find something that doesn't involve devils. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure there's a show on Nickelodeon now that stars a cartoon <laughs> devil with the voice of Tom Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> And today's adventure, the horoscope diaries. Oh, yeah, where all the star signs are characters. It's like, <laughs> Taurus is the wacky bull who loves to eat, and yep. Jim and I are the arguing twins. <laughs> Did you have any pop culture bands as a kid? Were there things that your parents said no to or things you had to like, sneak secretly behind their back? <laughs> well, it took over 20 years, but now we're all on the same page with Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. We all came together at the end that he's a shitbag. <laughs> was there a time where you were into that kind of gothy industrial rock music? Yeah, so I decided I was goth and I forgot who I was. So I needed <laughs> to figure out who I am now. And, you know, what's goth? What do I need to like? What do I need to forget about myself? Um, right. So I glommed on to whatever was given at the time. Hot Topic clothes. Oh, yeah. Desperately trying to be cool with the older goth kids. <laughs> That's so funny. What was the stuff floating around? Was it, you know, Nine Inch Nails? Was it... Oh, 
oh, yeah. like 80s Morrissey, Depeche Mode. Well, I've always loved Nine Inch Nails, and it's funny that they stood the test of time because they're actually good. Yeah. <laughs> Without the internet and stuff, you know, I just knew what yeah. the other kids liked. <laughs> yeah, you kind of had to pick it up socially and from, right. you know, the kind of later hours of MTV where they were playing the cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was not into anything gothy or industrial growing up, but I mm-hmm. can remember... In my 20s, had this job where I had to produce a lot of event coverage, where I had to, like, go to concerts and hmm. stuff and make field packages. It was a very fun job. Oh, okay. I remember I had to go to a music festival and do a piece, and Nine Inch Nails was the headlining band. Oh. I was, you know, I oh. could not have been more apathetic about seeing Nine Inch Nails, but standing there watching them, I was like, oh, this fucking rules. This is, like, oh. so good. The show was awesome. Great theatrics. And, like, these are great songs. I will always remember them. Like, oh, yeah, Nine Inch Nails actually rules. Oh, I love Daddy Trent, but (laughs) somebody needs to tell Daddy to stop dyeing his hair. Okay. I know what color he uses. It's like the Clairol Very Black (laughs) hair hair dye. You can rock in your mid-50s, you know? You don't have to have the same hair color as my nan. (laughs) The stuff I was into in high school was a little closer to the, like, 90s punk boom. And there's a documentary called The Other F Word, which is fatherhood. (laughs) Fugazi. (laughs) It's actually fatherhood. It's about guys who were in punk bands in the 80s and 90s and them being dads. Very cute. And there are a lot of scenes of those dudes dyeing their hair. Like, I think it maybe even opens with a shot of the lead singer of Pennywise dyeing his hair. Wow. They're just rinsing their hair over a sink. Yeah, I didn't think I would make it past 30. This really comes right. gray. Yeah. Ooh, it looks so natural. <laughs> I know. It is like a really funny juxtaposition of, you know, guys who get up on stage and sing songs about fuck authority and, yeah. you know, puke on cops. And then they're just, you know, in their Huntington Beach McMansion, dyeing their hair and taking their kids to soccer. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. I think you'd be hard-pressed to drop your kid off at school and see any other dads that don't have tattoos at this point. Oh, like, yeah, totally. I think the squares I, are the minority dads now. Yeah, like, oh, you don't have tattoos? You don't uh, You don't play bass in a descended cover band on the weekends? All right. Okay. Wow, dude. I know. It is interesting. I feel like the acceptability of being into certain kinds of pop culture just changed so radically in our lives, you know? Like, I think our dads probably would have been shamed pretty readily for liking the stuff they were into as kids. But, Mm -hmm. you know, now it is just, like, perfectly acceptable to have a Star Wars Funko Pop collection into your 40s. Yeah, just keep it clean and put it in a cabinet. That forgives everything. (laughs) Right. Oh, you bark. Oh, but it's so nicely placed. Okay. That cabinet from Living Spaces? Yeah. (laughs) One of my pandemic things. You got a fourth? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I got a fourth activity. I joined Instagram. I had not been on Instagram until mid-last year. It's been an interesting experience. I've mostly been having a lot of fun on there. Oh. But it was really interesting. For the longest time, the only ads I was getting, it started out Mm -hmm. as chicken sandwiches. I was only getting ads for chicken sandwiches. (laughs) Sometimes not even close chicken sandwiches, but just like a place in Ohio that has them. And I'm like, this looks good, but... (laughs) What is going on? Yeah, I know. Like, this algorithm is kind of fucked up. I thought this was supposed to be, like, hyper accurate to the point of being spooky, but it's advertising to me as sandwiches which I cannot possibly get. (laughs) And then it slowly started to integrate cookies and cakes. So I still get a fair amount of chicken sandwiches, but now, you know, a little dribbling of cookie and cake. Again, some of them in my area, some of them not even close. 
But it all kind of flipped for me. I visited the Living Spaces website once to look at their <laughs> oh no bedside tables. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe I'll put a new bedside table in here. And now it's all Living Spaces, all furniture shit. It was like one visit to that website. Yep. All of my chicken sandwiches are gone, and now it's all like end tables and ottomans. <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to say, is your algorithm run by commercial casting directors? They're really trying <laughs> to get you back into food advertising. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was like, hey, uh, does meat sack look good? Wouldn't you like to eat it on camera with a CGI grimace? <laughs> yeah, but you got that end table stamp on you now. Yeah. End tables all the time. No end <laughs> to the end table. No, the endless end table. <laughs> My curse. The endless possible and the endless end tables. Only I could get the endless possible delivered. I could eat it on my end table. Just <laughs> right out eternity like that. <laughs> you doing the stories? You like the Instagram stories? You know, I have seen good stories by others. But it's not a feature that I use too much when I want to promote a podcast episode, I'll throw it up in the story. Because I do feel like people watch them. It does seem like when you put yeah. up a story, people are like, ooh, I need to get through all my stories today. You yeah, know? a lot of people uh, do. And they're so short. It's so appealing for people to just tap through. Mm-hmm. And it is fun that they're finite too, you know, so it's not like, eh, I wouldn't post this on my timeline because it would be up forever. <laughs> when I started, I didn't know it was going to become such a Pandora's box. What some people might not know when they start it out is that the people who post the stories can see who watched them, which right. is so sinister. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, there's been a lot of people I know don't know I can see they watch all my stories, which is right. a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there really is an element of like, you can tell whose brain you live rent-free in. <laughs> I want to charge some rent for these. Right. What are your Instagram ads? If I'm all chicken mm-hmm. sandwiches and end tables, what are yours? Oh, my God. If you ever post anything about dating, if it's joking or not, you get all this stuff about singles and right. any coronavirus post is flooded with testing near you and stuff, which is the oh, only helpful one. I'll forgive that. That's fine. But uh, they're all buried in my brain. All <laughs> the ads I see, I go, yeah, that's about right. Bras for small busts. I don't know how you knew that, but those look pretty nice. Okay. I just kind of need those food ads to be a little more local, (laughs) and I'm on board. Although, I guess I do know a couple of good places to get a sandwich if I'm ever in Ohio for some reason. (laughs) Maybe it's good. Hey, that Hardee's is in for the long game. (laughs) Tapping my head and nodding, yeah, they're planning ahead. Yeah, everybody's going to be traveling soon, hopefully, in a post-vaccine world, and they're going to recognize us from Instagram. Yeah, maybe it's smart. Well, I'll know what happens when you have a chicken sandwich tour in two years. Right. (laughs) I'll know know why. (laughs) If I'm not on my wine tour doing acrobatics, and stuff. A really rockin' wine tour. <laughs> Probably make this a joint thing. I bet we could find enough places across the country that both have <laughs> small batch artisanal wines and Instagram worthy chicken sandwiches. There's probably enough overlap there to where we could do a little, uh, you know, eight city tour. <laughs> well, since nothing makes sense anymore, it's really the sure why not formula. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Fuck it, right? <laughs> At the point where it's the post-COVID scare world, I think the rules are gone. Right. Oh my God, Jordan, I had a COVID scare yesterday and oh, no. I paid money to get a test, even though there's free tests. I had a fever of 100.9. Oh my gosh. And it was so sudden. 
I'm sharing this because of the dystopian reality that I got a discount because it was Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I went to the parking lot at the Burbank Marriott and Mm -hmm. the instant COVID tests are $150. But because it was Valentine's Day, they took $30 off with the code Valentine. (laughs) I like that these COVID tests are having similar ad strategies to like Casper mattresses. Enter <laughs> code Earwolf to get. Yeah. I imagine. And again, I don't know how much comedy you're looking for from your Always. COVID <laughs> testing professional, but like there's maybe a little bit of a comedy pun you can make like, oh, getting pokes for Valentine's Day. I mean, you know, it's not the most inclusive pun you can make, but you know, it's there, it exists. <laughs> I'm disappointed they didn't swab that opportunity. Right. Uh, it truly was the most romantic thing I could do. Yeah. It's a gift you give yourself. And it did turn out to be negative, right? <laughs> We're not laughing at something that turned out to be hazardous to your health. Well, I'm calling you from the hospital. No, it was negative. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I always make lame Valentine's cards. And then yesterday I just took a picture of my results and... I wrote, roses are red, violets are blue. I am so glad I didn't infect you. <laughs> yeah, what better sentiment to get on Valentine's Day? <laughs> Avoid the disease for another couple weeks. An X-Men Valentine would also be cool. That would also be very good, yes. I know how you feel about the panic that comes with the yeah. perhaps run-of-the-mill ailments. Like, I get a little bit of uh, allergies in the winter. Oh. Like, being stuffy for a couple of days just fucking sucks. It's terrifying. Mm. So yeah, I imagine waking up with a fever that is mm-hmm. possibly just a regular fever. It's really scary and weird, probably. Yeah, all of these innocuous things are so scary now. I think we're not going to be able to shake that off. I think years from now, we'll still be weird about some stuff, like blowing on a yeah. cake. Yeah. <laughs> How will we make a wish? It's going to really affect wishing. <laughs> Falling star is still probably pretty safe. Eleven mm-hmm. eleven, uh, that's probably pretty safe. So there's still other ways to make wishes, I guess. Yeah, don't blow on a dandelion, though, unless you're far away. Oh, yeah, that's right out. Make sure your rabbit's foot is disinfected. Exactly, you don't know where that rabbit's been. Mm -mm. Yeah, well, there will be lighter days. I know. The thing that I'm kind of mulling over right now is I have this comic book coming out in July, and it is my first one. Yeah. I should say it's one that I co-wrote. And it's Um, a graphic novel. It's a big boy comic book. It's a big boy. Hardcover. There's hardcover and softcover options, 277 Mm -hmm. pages of action and comedy. That's so much work. It is. More for the artist. But a fair amount of work for myself and my co-writer, too. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, I'm sure in July, it will probably not be (laughs) time for a comic convention to happen. But it'd be nice if there was some sort of in-person way to celebrate the thing and get people copies and sign and stuff like that. Anyway, that's my little dream for July is that there's some sort of world where I can somebody a comic book. Mm. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are anticipating it, and we are reading more. That's true. We might not gather around to celebrate your release, but you might have maybe more people actually reading it. Yeah, certainly my reading, specifically comic book reading, (laughs) is really uh, really shot through the roof. So, yeah, (laughs) not at some sort of event. Hopefully it can be a nice indoor distraction for people. Yeah, and our cats or whoever. Yeah, (laughs) read it to your cat. (laughs) Do voices for all the characters. Yeah, because cats love that. If there's one thing cats love, it's being held in place <laughs> yes. and talked at. <laughs> I know you like when Daddy does all the funny voices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ooh, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy, oh boy.
You have cats? I don't anymore. I have a lot of fish. They don't oh, nice. do much talking or cuddling. Sure. Yeah, I've always been around cats. And I think whatever we say, it's like the primate is emitting noise again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I know. Every so often in the news cycle, this is kind of a perennial clickbait type article. But there's another example of cat owners are less sexually attractive oh. article. Some sort of study about how you should never have a cat in your online dating profile or else you will die alone. So. How dare you look appealing to those who enjoy the company of a dating <laughs> cat. Yeah. Doomed. <laughs> I know. I think the idea is that maybe you are appealing to other cat owners but everybody else is take your fucking guts, you and that cat. That's so dumb because it's a similar interest you're putting out there. Hey, do you like this? I have this. In right. What? It's like, I don't know, don't have snow globes in your Tinder picture because... <laughs> right, know. what if someone's parents were killed by a snow globe? Yeah. What if people who like snow globes are interested in you? I guess I've encountered this in the wild, though. People who, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, people who have a stigma about cat people. They think they're weird. Mm-hmm. They think they're loners. I mean, sure. I do behave weirdly with my cat, I guess. I, you <laughs> know, talk to it and bug. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I guess there's perhaps a nugget of truth in those articles, even though I don't want to admit it. It's also those gender expectations, too, I think. Yeah. Guys holding a cat as opposed to... Sure. And then people, you know. It does have a stigma of being not masculine, but uh, aren't we now looking at what that means as a culture? Hmm? Right. Hmm? I mean, do you really want to cuddle with the guy that has an axe in his profile? <laughs> yeah. Is that more appealing? Let's strip this down. All we want is love and warmth and safety, right? Right. Somebody to <laughs> like make if- little biscuits on us. Uh-huh. You know, if there's a bear attack, sure, I'll go with the lumberjack guy that's also holding a trout. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, more realistically, I think uh, cat guy sounds appealing. <laughs> I have faith. Thank you. Faith is appreciated. But not by my conservative Christian upbringing teachers. <laughs> they told me I had lukewarm faith because I like The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, yeah, The Simpsons. That was a big one. God, yeah. Speaking of what <laughs> parents wouldn't let kids watch, we were at Simpsons house for sure. And, you know, I'm grateful for it. And I think my mom was very smart about explaining that this is satire. And just because someone does something doesn't mean you should do it. So it was nice. But I do remember being one of those shows that some of my friends could not watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my family didn't shelter us from anything. I just went to Christian school. So that's where I'm pulling my people judging me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wishing you a great day, a great week. Oh, thank you. I have the same hopes for you. I hope the fish stay healthy. I hope they enjoy their flakes. <laughs> I hope you watch as many Simpsons episodes as you want without feeling judged by yes. Bible thumpers. Yeah, I will tell my fish stories and explain a couple wine basics to them. Yeah. You should know a few things before you order at a restaurant. Very relevant yeah. right now. If those fish ever get out of the tank and then go to a fancy restaurant, they should at least <laughs> kind of know what they're doing when they order wine. They don't, they don't have to turn into sommeliers, but you know, you need yeah. to know some basics. Yeah, don't embarrass me, fish at a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Red wine with meat, white wine if you're eating another fish. <laughs> you should know what to pair with yourself. <laughs> Yeah, if you drink red wine with yourself, everybody's going to know that you're Philistine with no upbringing. <laughs> I want to draw an Ouroboros of a fish at a restaurant. <laughs> Eating its own tail and having a, nice, having a nice glass of Chardonnay. Ooh, it's a light. <laughs> okay, Jordan. <laughs> talk to you later. Really nice to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> All right, bye. 
Today's episode was brought to you by George Went with a 40, the new Arby's Meat Sack, and Nice and Easy Permanent Hair Color by Clairol. Please stay on the line for our season two finale with Kristen Key.